Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Something happened kind of big this week that you probably already heard about, and that's something our Supreme Court did with Roe vs. Wade. Yeah. Okay, so we're kind of excited about it. Um, and maybe for you, you don't know where you land on that, but I want to give you a little bit of what the Bible has to say and why so many of us are excited. I think it'll explain why so many of us are so excited about that and then tell you and encourage you with some what's next. But first, I want to start with Jeremiah 1 verse 5, and it says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. God is speaking to the unborn and saying, I'm formed, I formed you, I set you apart before you were even born. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now this is a specific prophecy for the, Jeremiah. Yes, absolutely. But what it speaks to is God's view of life and where it begins. And it's in the womb. It is in the womb. Jesus' mother, Mary, after she finds out that she's going to give birth to the Son of God, the angel comes and visits. She's like, how's this supposed to happen? And he's like, it's all going to be miraculous. And she's like, but I've never been with a man. He's like, it's all miraculous. It's going to happen. She believes it, and it says this. Luke 1, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leaped. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. The baby inside her womb heard Mary's greeting, and the baby get it, gets excited and leaps. Um, that's why we're so excited to hear this. Psalms 139.13 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Now, there's forgiveness for absolutely everything. If you're like, oh, I did not want to come here, and, and I don't want to hear this, and you don't know what my past is, understand this. There's forgiveness for absolutely everything. And everybody's made mistakes. I've made lots. Probably make one tomorrow. Maybe the next day, you know? It, it, it is true, but Romans says this. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul said, letting go of the past, I push on towards what is ahead. And he literally says it this way, forgetting the past, I move on. And I would encourage you to do that. But I also want to bring this up, and that is this, that what happened and what our Supreme Court did is not the end, it's the beginning. Okay? The Supreme Court simply threw it back to the states, all 50, threw it back to the states. The Supreme Court did not define life or say, nope, um, our Constitution has to defend life in the womb. They did not do that. They threw it back to states and said, you states need to decide this. So this isn't a, it's over. It's a, this is, the ball was just thrown into our court, so to speak. It's thrown into our court, and our local state here needs to hear our voice. And we need to echo what God's word says concerning the unborn. And we need to stand up for those who cannot speak for themselves. And that is the unborn. So let me encourage you, 
Be encouraged because of what the Supreme Court did, but don't now take a back seat and think, there, it's all good. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Now think the ball's in our court. What are we going to do? Who are we going to vote for? What do they believe? And let's see some things change here for us in Michigan where we can affect change. Okay. Um, with that, one, one more thing, because everybody loves stats, and I'm sure you were like, I hope I can hear some stats at church this morning. If that's you, I'm going to make your day right here. here. Here we go. And Planned Parenthood, here's, here's what I could find on them. This is from the, the last report that I could find. Planned Parenthood, this is from their 2019-2020 report, said this, that they kill... 972 babies every day. That's 40 an hour. That's a lot. I just want to, I want to celebrate and I'm so excited, but I want to leave you with some urgency in this that there's more to be done, that the ball is in our court. In just Planned Parenthood, we fund Planned Parenthood to the tune of 38% of their budget is from government grants and just public funds. 38% of Planned Parenthood's budget. That's $618 million or over $1.6 million a day that we, the people, give to Planned Parenthood. That's one organization that does this. It's just a very big one. So I just want to leave you with something a little sobering that we're so excited about what did happen, but now we have opportunity to do some more. Take the ball. It's in our court. Think about who you're voting for on every level. If anything, the last few years has taught us is every single vote matters. And some of these positions that were like, yeah, 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 don't be yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, that position does do something, doesn't it? And, and think about it, pray about it, and vote along the Bible. We join a kingdom, okay? We join the kingdom of God, so vote along it. And you're like, well, this is what I believe. Yes, because that's what the Bible says so, and again, there's no condemnation. If you're in here like, well, I didn't, this is new, then I'm just going to tell you this. This is what we do. We're Christ followers. We follow him. And we believe that what God's word says is the very best. It's the very best. And so we want that. And we're actually, we're in a series right now called Sower, Seed, and Soil. And Jesus, what he did over and over and over was he told stories. He told stories. In fact, the Bible says that he never taught anything without telling stories. Because facts fade, but stories stick. We remember stories. We repeat stories. We repeat stories. We're like, oh yeah, that's great. That's so great. So gee, one of those stories, and they're called parables in the Bible, and, a, and specifically, a parable is simply a story with a known, there's a message in it. It's found in Matthew 13, verse 3, and it says this. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was sowing, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Some fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun rose, the seedlings were scorched, and they withered, because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the seedlings. Still others fell on good soil, and produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, and thirty-fold. So Jesus tells this, and he tells it to the large crowd. But a little bit later, he gets together with a small group, his disciples. It's a small group, which, by the way, if you're not in a small group, 
Get in a small group. Jesus had a small group. You need a small group. Get one, jump on the website, see what's out there, see what you can find. Okay. So he gets with his small group, and now he explains it. And he says this in Matthew 13, verse 19. He jumps, he says, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's sown in their heart. And that's what we talked about in part one of this, about our job to understand and to really not just hear it and be like, okay, that's great, but to contemplate, to digest it, to look at it, to think about it, and to apply it and be like, what are we going to do with this? And then verse 20, so that was part one. And verse 20, he says this, he says, the seed sown on the rocky ground is the one who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he remains for only a season. And we talked about that root in part two. And we said, you know, two main types of roots that you and I have is number one is the experiences that we have where God moves in our life. And we have those to look back on when he intervenes, when his peace showed up, when he, when he healed, when eyes were opened, when our eyes were opened, when hearts were mended, when relationships were restored, when his word was true, when his, we have that experience. And the other thing we mentioned, the other one is the relationships that we have the people that hold us up, as it says in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 10. It says, pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. It says, pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. The relationship, we need to be around some like-minded people that when we fall, that they can help us up. We're going to keep going in that verse. It says this, verse 21. But since he has no root, he remains only a season. And when trouble and persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. It says, when trouble comes. Now, for some people, that, that doesn't fit in with their theology because they grew up or they were taught, like, come to Jesus and you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and all your problems will be solved. Kumbaya. But, but that doesn't line up here. It says, when trouble comes. Like, what, what do you mean, when trouble comes? And some of you are like, well, because like, here's the deal, trouble, trouble's going to come. I don't know if you knew that or not. You might be thinking, well, that's not very positive. Well, I'm positive trouble's going to come. There's, there's the positive spin if you, if you need it. You're like, I'm so glad I got out of bed to hear this this morning. Yeah, trouble's going to come. It's going to come, plain and simple. I like what it says here. John 16, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Jesus is talking, he says, because here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. NIV says many troubles. You will have. Amen! Woo! No, nobody's too excited about that one. It's like, I know. Thank you. I know. I, I, yes, I'm in one. Thank you. Like, wow, that's, that's so inspiring. Why am I here? There's a, there's a real, hold on, hold on. But here's the thing, we, here's what we cannot do. We need to realize this, that trouble's gonna come. But knowing that changes the way that we face them. Knowing that changes the way that we face them. For instance, 1 Corinthians 7 says this in verse 28. It says that if you marry, you will face many troubles. <laughs> Elbow cue right there, just bam. Those who marry will face many troubles. But here's what I understand. Here's, here's that. I know that. But knowing that changes the way that I live. Knowing that means this. That the first time 
that I made a mistake. Becca wasn't like, well, that was the wrong one. Well, this didn't work out. I mean, this isn't any good. Well, he's not doing what he should. And the first time that Becca makes a mistake, I won't be like, well, what did she do wrong? Some of you caught that. Some of you. Some of you. I'm, I'm earning some points up here. I'm earning some points. But it, it changes the way we look at the relationship because I realize she's not perfect. She knows that I'm not perfect. And so it changes the way that we go. So I'm not going, well, she did that wrong, so I've got to go find another one. I don't like that. Oh, that's no good. I've got to upgrade. New model. Here I come. No. Because I know trouble's going to come. You can't pick the perfect person that marriage is just going to be a cloud nine perfect experience. It's going to be everything you dreamed of. No, it's going to be more and less all at the same time. It changes the way that we're meant to go through it. And trouble is going to come in life. I know some of you are like, well, no, no, no I, I, I don't want that. And I don't want trouble either. But understand this, you cannot, um, this is going to be so encouraging. You're so glad you came. You cannot pray so much, be so spiritual, know enough scripture, or grow close enough, so close to God that you just don't have trouble. That you just, like it doesn't, it, you just soar over top of it. It doesn't work. And you want to know why I know that? Because Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. And they killed him for it. That's, I think that's trouble. They killed him. They didn't like him. They hated him. Yeah, that was some trouble. Absolutely. And let me just say, if Jesus did it perfect and he couldn't avoid trouble, guess what? I know I can't. And I'm guessing you can't either. So what, what, what does this mean? And how are we meant to look at and to face trouble when it's coming? Well, first off, there's this, is understand there's a flip side to the trials and the troubles that we go through. It's not just that we go through some stuff, but there's also a flip side to it. And understand this, that growth and struggle go together. You don't grow from something that doesn't challenge you. You will never grow without struggle. If you want to run faster, then you're going to train harder. And you're going to run harder, and you're going to run farther, and you're going to run faster. If you're working out and you want to lift more weights, what do you have to do? You've got to lift more. And you've got to you know, work up to it, but you're going to struggle, and your muscles are going to tear, and then they're going to heal. And as a result, you're going to be stronger, and you're going to do it again, and again, and again, and again, and again. And that's how you get stronger, is there's a struggle. There is a struggle, and the struggle leads to strength. It leads to strength, and that's what it's meant to be for you and I. So much that James says this. James 1 verse 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes of any kind, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Woo! Why? Because struggle equals growth. You wanna, who wants to grow in their faith? Raise their hand. If you say, I want to grow in my faith. Some of you are like, I know where this is going. I'm not, raising, I'm, I'm not raising my hand. I'm not doing it. You do. You're like, okay, yeah, I want to grow closer to God. We raise our hand. Yep, I want to. I want to grow in my faith. Yes, I do. And like, then I tell you, okay, it's going to come at struggle. And you're like, trouble? Struggle? Hold on a minute. Wait a second. But that's how it works. He goes on. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. We grow when we go through this. We grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect. 
complete and needing nothing. I was reading a business book and about companies and how to, how, to, how to grow and how to run things. And this gentleman in the book, he says this. He says he, uh, he owned a chain of, rest, uh, not restaurants, uh, excuse me, hotels. And he said, they don't. He goes, but if my hotels ran perfectly and we never made a mistake, like no booking mistakes, and he's kind of making jokes about all the mistakes that they've had and the customer service and all that. He says, if they did, if they all ran perfectly, he says, do you want to know what I would do? He says, I would manufacture mess-ups. He says, because it's when you make a mistake that you get the opportunity to blow people's expectations out of the water. When somebody comes and a room isn't right, he says, they're all, nobody wants to come up and, okay, this isn't right, and this is not the right room, and the bed isn't right. Nobody wants it. He goes, but when, when mistakes happen, he goes, you get an opportunity to just blow their socks off, to take care of them, and he goes, that's where we get raging fans from. He goes, we get raging fans from solving problems, whether they're ours or not. It is an opportunity for us to serve and show how well we can take care of our customers. You and I, when trouble comes, it is an opportunity for you and I to look to God. We go through trouble different than the world. It's an opportunity for us to show our kids, this is what happens when things get tight financially and, and bills just show up and yeah, it all came, but this is what we do and this is what we stop and this is what we don't stop. When trouble comes and we get fired and things don't work out the way that we think and we're like, this isn't right, then we get to see, where is it that we're looking? Where are we finding our peace? Are we just like, you know what, we turn to a bottle, we turn to a substance, or, or we just, we binge watch, or we binge flick, what we're just flipping through pages for hours and hours and hours, is that where we turn to, or are we turning to God? We go through it different, we're meant to do it differently, and it is meant to be an opportunity. My sticker's gone. You can ask me about my small group later, I had a sticker, I did. It's meant to be an opportunity. When, how, how many of you guys remember car phones? Raise your hand. Remember car phones? Okay, before cell phones, there was bag phones, but before they could even like fit in a bag, they had to be powered by a whole lot more than that, and they were in our cars. And, and my dad had one when we were a kid. And, and my dad was a pastor. We spent a lot of time in the car driving. Um, but he would never pick it up. It had like speakerphone, but the speakerphone went through like the whole car. Like it was just, it was just the car. And so I, we'd be going on trips and stuff, with, with my dad, and he'd answer, and when he would answer, it would just, everybody in the car was on the phone with whoever he was talking to. And sometimes people would call, and most of the time he'd be like, hey, this is Dwayne, you're on the phone with Samuel, Daniel, Stephanie, and Jeannie, what's going on? Right? And we'd just be cruising down the road. Well, every now and then, he'd get a call, and people would just like start talking, and, and not realize they were talking to a car full of people. Well, and I would just, and, and most of the time, he'd just be like, and we'd just sit there quietly. Well, this is one of those times where we're cruising down the road, and I'm there in the car. The, the car phone rings. I'm a little kid. I don't remember how old I was. And he answers. He's like, hey! And the guy in the other one's like, pastor! He's like, um, I, 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 this is Chris. And, and he just, he's, he's crying, and he's like, I think I need to resign. Uh, and he's just like, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. And he's like, hey! What's going on? And he goes, um, I, 
I think I need to resign. He's like, I know what First Timothy says, that if a man can't lead his own family, he can't lead in the house of God. And he's like, he, he was a pastor here in the state. And he, and he, said, he goes, but he's, he's like, my, my teenage daughter just came to me this week and said she's pregnant. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? I can't, if this isn't working right, he goes, what am I supposed to do? He goes, do I need to quit? And I'm just sitting there like, oh my goodness. And my dad's like, what? No. Oh, no, no, no. And he goes, what? He goes, no, 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 you don't need to quit. He goes, here's what you need to do. He goes, this is an opportunity. He goes, this is an opportunity for your church to see you love your daughter the way that Christ loved the church, to forgive her, and you're going to show them how to walk this out step by step. And he's like, but, but, but. He's like, you can't control everything that somebody else does. He goes, but you're going to handle this right, and you're going to do it God's way, and you're going to get God's results. I was a little kid, but I remember just sitting there being like, I think I'm glad I was in the car today. And sure enough, that pastor did exactly that. And he's like, we're, we're, we're going to love her, and this is, this is just what we're going to do, and this is how you're meant to do that. And as a father, we're going to do everything that we can. And, and the church just kind of got to see what happens and what he could do. And how a godly man leads his family when things don't go the way that you'd want them to do. You don't want that, that, but this is what it is. Troubles when they come, can I just tell you this? People are watching you, and they see the way that you, it doesn't matter what it is, they see it. And maybe for you, it's a neighbor, I've got one of those. Man, I've got one of those. I got a neighbor that she just, she, she just, she sits through the window blinds going like this, watching everything, everything that's going on. I mean, she calls, she's like, do you know that your dog just crossed the street? I'm like, what? No, when? She's like, right now, I'm watching it. Of course you are. Of course you're watching my dog. She's like, it's over here. And I'm like, you know where my kids are? She's like, yes, they are. They're in the back tree. No, I'm teasing. We don't, we don't quite go that far with it. But if I did call her, she would be able to tell us exactly where they are. And, but let me just say, there's people watching you. And they're watching me. And they watch how we go through trouble and what it is that we do. But the Bible says that we're to consider it joy because it's a chance for us to grow in our faith. It's a chance for us to show what it is that we run to. Now, here's what we don't do. is We don't just be like, okay, well, it's trouble, so I just, I just, I just have to deal with it. No, no, no. James 4, 7, submit yourself there unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee. We don't just lay down and play dead when trouble comes and be like, oh, this is so bad. Ow, oh, 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 it's so bad. Throw a fit, Facebook, somebody know that I'm, no, we don't need to do that. No, resist the devil and he will flee. We're going to stand up. We're going to do what we can. We're going to seek godly counsel. We're going to take action. We're going to make a difference, and we're going to dig ourselves out. Absolutely. Yes, we are. But we also know, and here's the thing that we need to realize when this happens, Romans 8, 28, and we know that God works all things together for the good. We're actually saying this just a little bit ago. God works all things for the good of those that love and serve him, who are called according to his purpose. God will work it for the good. What the devil intends for evil, God's like, I can work it for good. And here's what that means. It means wherever we find ourselves, when we do it God's way, we get the best possible results. I know it can be hard sometimes because you're like, well, I know where I am and where I need to be 
and there's not a path from where I am to where I'm supposed to go. I'm so far off, I gotta go somewhere else to even get where I need to go. I can't get there from here. And God's like, no. God can work all things for the good of those that love that serve and serve him. I remember, I definitely felt like I learned this lesson when I went to Bible college. Went down to Bible college, moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and began looking for a job. And um, as I was looking for a job, it just wasn't coming together. I'd, I'd get calling for interviews, and they're like, okay, well, these are our hours. And I'm like, well, I can't work Sundays. Like, I can work weekdays and weekends, but not Sundays. And then I, you know, I've got, um, I can pretty much be at work at one o'clock until whenever, but I've got school in the morning, and then I got church on Sunday. And over and over, people are like, nope, 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 nope. And I'm like, I'm eating through my savings, and I'm like, this isn't good. Like, um, this, is, this is bad. I'm like, I know this is where I'm supposed to be. And so I kept on like, I was looking for a job farther and farther and farther away from college and from my apartment. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And so finally, I end up uh, downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma, Adams Mark Hotel. And they're like, we need Bellman. And they're like, yes, we will hire you. I'm like, how much does it pay? And they're like, minimum wage and tips. And I'm like, okay. So I jump into Bellman. And I do that for a bit. And I got, it, it worked really well for me. I had favor, that's just the way that I'll put it. I got, I got big tips. And the other bellman found out that they're like, hey, how long are you gonna be here? You know, we stay until we make, and they named the amount of money, I don't remember what it was, and, you know, and I make that in two tips, and they're like, well, you can go home now. So they start sending me home, because I'm making money, and they're not, and they don't want me there. And I'm like, well, now this isn't working, what am I supposed to do? And one day I'm on the job, and come down the escalator, one of just this really weird guy, his name was Hans. And he comes over to me and he's like, hey, I need some help, can you come help me? And I'm like, yeah, sure, what's, what's up? And he's got a uh, Adam's Mark uh, badge on, so he's, he's, he's one of the managers. And he's like, I need some help with this stuff, can you help me move some gear? So I move some gear for him, it's some AV equipment, and I move it. And I'm going to go back, and he goes, well, could you help me set it up? And I'm like, sure, what do you want? And he goes, what do you mean? And he'll just tell me what you want. I can set that all up. And he goes, do you understand it? I'm like, yeah. At my church growing up, that's what I did. I ran sound. My dad was a pastor, and I was at church all the time. So somebody was like, get this kid busy, and they're like, plug and unplug wires. And I think, honestly, that's exactly what Scott would do, is that he'd see me coming and be like, unplug, unplug. Samuel, I need you. Can you fix that? And he'd just leave me fixing things for hours. But I figured some stuff out. So we, we get down there, and he's like, can you do it? I said, absolutely. So I do that. And then he, he comes back in, and he's like, oh, my goodness, we, we need you. And he's like, he comes, he goes, I looked at your resume, and you didn't put that you know how to do any of this stuff. Why didn't you put that down? I'm like, because I applied for Bellman. I didn't think you cared that I know how to wire or, the, you know, this stuff. And they're like, but we want somebody. He goes, goes, will you switch? Will you come work for me? And I'm like, well, I need hours and I need money. He goes, oh, we'll take care of it. We'll work it out. He goes, I need you. You start right now. And I'm like, sure. So I jump over there. We didn't really negotiate. They needed something. And I'm like, okay. Well, they're paying me. But a few weeks go by, a month goes by, and I'm like, this isn't enough. Like, I'm still, it's slowed down, but I'm still, like, bleeding money. Like, my bank account is getting smaller and smaller. They're supposed to go the other way. And I'm like, it's going to hit the bottom, and then I'm not going to be driving to work anymore. So I, I sit down with Hans, and I'm like, hey, um, 
I'm not making enough money. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, we'll fix that. And I'm like, you will? He's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, okay. So I keep working. And about a month goes by, and I'm like, Hans, you didn't fix it, and I'm still not getting enough money. And he's like, oh, no, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll fix that. And I'm like, okay. So then I go down, and I talk with human resources, and I go down, and I'm like, hi, I don't make enough money. And they're, and they're like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well... Um, I, this isn't enough for me to live on. If you want me to keep working here, I gotta make more money or give me more hours or whatever, but this isn't working. And they're like, well, give us some time. And so it's like another two months goes by. And I'm still, and I'm like, okay, I can't come back. Like I'm filling up and I'm, my gap, my, the car, my car, the gas gauge would go down and it hit E and I'm like, uh, it's gotta keep going. And I would just be like, please don't stop. And I, but I knew I could get 30 miles out of my little 19, 92 Toyota Celica once the check gauge gas light went on. I knew 30 because I ran out at 30 like multiple times because I didn't have money to get gas. So I'd like coast into gas stations and push and, and I, it was a stick and I'd turn it off on the expressway and glide a lot and all kinds of stuff. I was like, I gotta save gas. I didn't have enough. It was, I did not have the money that I needed. Well, not only did in that time did God just show up and do some cool stuff? It's the one and only time I've ever received just a random check in the mail. I needed it once. God did it once. But I end up back at work. And I'm like, I'm done. And Human Resources and Hans, they're both like, we're going to do this for you. Stay. And I'm like, you didn't. I can't afford to stay here. A couple days later, I get called down to, to HR and I sit down, and he's like, Sam, and he goes, thanks for being patient. It's been months now, months. And I'm like, I'm not being patient. I just haven't found something better. I'm like, I'm just, I got, I can't do this. And the guy looks at me, and he's like, well, here's what we're going to do. He's like, you said, and after our conversations, he's like, that you really needed like $18 an hour. He's like, well, here's what we're going to do. He's like, we're going to give you $21 an hour. He goes, and? Because it took us so long, we're going to retro pay you all the way back to the time, the first day that you started here. We'll make up the difference for everything, including when you were a bellman. And I'm like, really? He's like, here you go. And the makeup was over $6,000 to a college student. And I was like, wakeboarding! <laughs> you know? Like, here comes a fly-high pole! We're doing this! But God showed himself faithful. God works things. And the thing that I was like, as I was, I was just like, this isn't working, and I'm talking, and I'm like, and I'm about to have to borrow money from my brother. I don't know if you've ever borrowed money from family, but it's pretty much the worst. Okay, the absolute worst. To this day, he's like, you know that every single one of my roommates, including you, I had to, I had to lend money to. And, yeah, da, da, da. and I'm like, whatever, Josh, whatever. I can beat you up now, so come on. But anyways, he was my older brother, and just so you know, he was a jerk growing up. Oh, my goodness. And now we both grew up, and we're a lot better now. But anyways, God turned something around in a way that I never saw. I never saw that coming. And that job ended up being an amazing blessing. The whole time I was in college, they loved me. I loved them. It was great. I was like, hey, I've got this church event on a Thursday night. Can I get off? They're like, yes, whatever you need. Yes, you can get off. 
And I'm like, I'm going to be gone for the summer. Would you guys, will the job be here when I get back? Yes, absolutely. When are you coming back? And how much would you like when you get back? I'm serious. And then I was like, okay, and I'm going to come back. I said, when I come back in the fall, I can't work Saturdays either. They're like, okay, not a problem. We can work around your schedule. It was amazing. I had one of the other managers come to me and he goes, do you have family, like in corporate or something? And I'm like, no, why? And he goes, you're not supposed to get any vacation for a year and you leave like all the time. How do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I think God loves me a lot. <laughs> and we were moving some big curtains and I'm moving over here and he's like, you and that other girl in HR. And he begins, because she actually went to the same church that I did. And she'd been, I guess, actually witnessing and trying to invite him to church. He ended up showing up a few weeks later because he just saw how two people did things and God's favor on them. And it allowed me to not only when I come back to work at my church, but really do a bunch of stuff at my church. My hours were great. Um, my boss's family ended up coming to church. I got invited over to his house and met his, his family. Um, just, it was just a huge blessing. It was so much trouble and all this, I don't know what I'm going to do and how is this going to be. And God turned it for good. And here's what God's word says. God can work all things for the good of those that love and serve him. I don't know what your circumstances are, what you're in right now, what trouble, what things, what's brewing, what, what's the thing that's in the back of your mind that wakes you up at night that you're like, God, what am I going to do? But here's what I do know. If you'll do it God's way, if you'll give it to him, you'll get the best results you can possibly get. And he connects dots that you and I could never connect and don't even see or even think about. He's like, you watch. I can get you right where you need to be. There's a story in the Bible, an account actually, stories seem to be fictional, but the account of Joseph in the Bible. Joseph in the Bible has a dream. And the dream is from God. And God shows him that one day his family is going to bow down to him, that he's going to be a position of authority over his family. Well, he's the, he's the young one. And he has, makes the full mistake of telling his brothers about it, and they hate him for it. They already didn't like him, but they hate him even more after hearing the dream. He has another dream, and he tells his family again. So you're like, he's not the smartest one, but anyways, he tells them all again. And this time he tells his father too. And his father interprets the dream and says, are your mother and I, your brothers, are we all going to bow down to you? So God speaks this into his life. But you want to know what happens next? His brothers get mad. They plan on killing him. But one of the brothers says, no, let's not kill our brother. Let's just throw him down in this well and leave him. But a band of traitors comes by and they're like, even better, we don't get anything for just killing him or leaving him out here to die. Let's sell him as a slave. So they do. They sell him as a slave. They sell their brother. And then I'm just thinking, like, how bruised and beaten must he have been to not tell those traitors, my, my father will pay more. Like, what must his brothers have done to him? But he gets sold, gets taken as a slave. He's still got those dreams, but it's not going so well anymore. 
But did God give him those dreams? Yes, absolutely. But what Joseph does is he gets sold as a slave to a man named Potiphar. And in that house, he just works. But he works so hard that it's apparent to his owners that the hand of God is on him and that whatever he puts his hands to do turns out blessed. So he ends up running the whole house. If that was me, I'd finally feel like, okay, things are starting to turn around. But then Potiphar's wife notices him and tries to seduce him. And he's like, "Uh uh-uh, ain't happening. So he does the right thing and runs out. She gets mad, lies about him, and says, he came after me. And now Joseph gets thrown in jail. He's doing the right thing and it's not going well. Anybody ever have that happen? You're like, I'm doing it right. Why is it not going well? So here's Joseph. He's in prison. He's had the dreams that were from God of what's going to happen. But it's not happening the way that I would have planned it. But Joseph, where he is, still is working hard to the point that those who run the jail look at Joseph and they see again that whatever he does goes well, that God's favor is on him, and so he gets promoted in jail to kind of like running the jail even though he's in jail and a prisoner. And you're like, oh my goodness. So in that position, as he's taking care of other prisoners, he notices that two other prisoners, and I love what it says in the Bible, it says that he noted that they were looking dejected. And I'm like, they're in prison. Like, who is it? Like, oh, this is great. I love it down here. Mm, Wonderful. Turn to CNN. I don't know what they're watching. No. No, no, no. They're, They're in prison, but he notices. He says, what's going on? And they say, we've had some dreams, and we don't know what they mean. And he says, to God. Dreams come from God. I can help you understand those. God can show you what those are. And through Joseph, God did. One of them was going to be beheaded, and the other was going to get put back in his royal position. And Joseph says this to him. He says, hey, when you leave this place, remember me, because I don't deserve to be here. I've done nothing. I'm wrongly in prison. And the man says, oh, I'll remember you. I'll remember you. But he leaves and doesn't remember Joseph at all. If I was Joseph, I might have given up. But Joseph didn't. And sometime later, Pharaoh had a dream. Pharaoh wanted to know, and that man that Joseph had interpreted that dream for was like, wait a second. He had that, oh, I was supposed to remember this moment. And he's like, There was a time, Pharaoh, when you locked me up because you didn't know when he tells Pharaoh about Joseph. And Joseph gets called before the king, the Pharaoh. And here's what happens. He goes from in prison to second in command because he says, I cannot interpret your dream, but God through me can. And he does. And God put him right where he promised he would get him. But you want to know the path that it took? 
we just did. It went down, 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 down. And when he thought it couldn't get lower, it kept getting lower and lower and lower. And from the very bottom, God's like, and now I'm going to exalt you to right where I said you would be. And he became second in command of the greatest nation on earth at the time of all of Egypt. I don't know where you find yourself. Maybe you're like, my life is just going down, down, down. I know what God's word says, but why isn't it happening? Because it's just getting worse and worse. And I'm trying to do this and I started tithing and I'm praying and I'm, I'm reading the word and I'm not getting anything out of it. And I don't know. And what is supposed to happen? Here's what I say. God, says, God can work all things for those for the good of those that love and serve him. When we do it God's way, we get the best result. There were some consequences that Joseph went through for saying some things he shouldn't, antagonizing his brothers, and I'm sure there was more. I think the devil was at work in a lot of that. But Joseph stayed true, and he served God wherever he found himself. And in that, God brought about some amazing results. And you might not even be able to see the way out, but God's like, don't worry. You don't need to see it. Just trust me. I'll get you there. You're like, but you, you, I'm too far away. God's like, no, you're not. You're right where I need you. I'm preparing you for what you're going to need. Joseph, think about this. Joseph ran Egypt, and the dream that he interpreted was this, that there'd be seven years of plenty, of great harvest, followed by seven years of famine so severe that you would forget about the years of plenty. And Joseph was, number one, put in charge of all of the food. Ever since Joseph left his father's house, what was he doing? He was running households. He was deciding how much food was needed and how long it would take and how, wh where to store food. And he did it in, for Potiphar and, and all this, the luxury living. And then he went to prison and he knows exactly how much you actually need to survive and how little you can get on. The very thing that he did that was just like so bad that you wouldn't wish on anybody, in hindsight, prepared him perfectly for where God needed him to be. But because he served God in those situations and God used him through those situations, it taught him what he needed for God to put him where he was going to be. And you might be in a situation like, there's nothing good in this. What am I supposed to get out of it? I don't know. But here's what I would encourage you, is to serve God right where you are, to trust him. And remember, God can work all things for the good of those that love and serve him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we come before you today. And God, no matter where we find ourselves, we choose to serve you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and all of our mind. We give it all to you. God, no matter what the circumstances are, God, we just invite you into every part of it. If we've been worrying, if we've been trying to carry stuff on our own, God, we give it back to you right now. And we just want to serve you in it. May all that we do bring you glory as we fall short, as we try to stand in our own strength, God, we give it back to you right now. Forgive us for trying to carry what we were never meant to carry. We give it to you. We trust in you. You just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're in here this morning, you say, you know what? I don't know where I stand with God, but I want him to direct my life. 
I want him to forgive me, to set me free. I believe he died on the cross and rose again. I, I need him. If that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you right where you sit. When we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God and begin to walk out the plan and purpose that he has for you. If that's you, or maybe you're here today and you're like, today I just need to come back. I've been doing my thing. I've been, I'm in this mess and I've been doing this mess my way and I need to just surrender to him again. I need to give it to him. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you. That's you at the count of three. I want you to shoot your hand up. Get ready. One, two, three. Right now, say, that's me, and today is my day. Thank you. All right. Wherever you are, in this room, online, listen to this. Let's just all pray this out loud. Those that lifted their hands, repeat after me. Say, Jesus, forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm yours. I believe that you died, that you shed your blood, so I could be free. Forgive me and make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to Life.